Okay, so hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of Default Global. This is where we connect with global first entrepreneurs and remote work experts from all around the world to share their experiences and knowledge. Our guest today is Jordan Carroll, uh, founder of No Drop Club. Jordan, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Vit. Let's make this happen. It's been a long time. Sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jordan, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you became interested in remote work and global hiring? Yeah, well, remote work I got interested in because there was a snow day in okay. northeast <laughs> the northeast United States at the time, working corporate, commuting an hour and a half each way, and it snowed so bad that we couldn't leave the house, and I got to work from home, and it was like, oh, shit, there's this whole other world. <laughs> like, like, trust me, I, like at the beginning of that stage, it was just like, oh, extra time to sleep, basically. And I could like work mm -hmm. from my bed and, you know, I didn't really take it seriously. It's, uh, I, I think there's a learning curve to, to working remotely, mm -hmm. working, mm -hmm. whether that's working from home, whether it's working from a coffee shop, whether it's working in co-working spaces. Each of these things have their own different challenges and, and ways in which your environment or the tools that you use or things that you do will uh, impact how productive you are or, or how you do things. But yeah, for me at that time, like first getting working remotely, I was like, oh shit, like I don't have to commute. <laughs> so this is cool. And I'd like watch Netflix during the day, or I, you know, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily use that additional time I got back to be productive. I'd be like, oh, okay, well, I get to just work from home, so I don't need to clock in for another hour. So let me just do some, some BS and then um, from the global hiring perspective, I think over the past, like that was over 10 years ago, that, that first experience for me. And then I think now the global talent piece of it is like me personally, in my own business, I've, you know, been, um, I've hired probably 25, 26 different people, uh, outside of the U S personally. So for me, it's like, it's a great way to find awesome talent and especially talent that for me as a small business owner, it's like I can afford someone to, to give them more hours and give them like an, a, a nice livable wage where they're earning in the top 10, 20% of where they live. But for me, I'm able to actually afford it within my budget. So that's the way that I've looked at it. And it's been an awesome experience being able to, to hire people from different countries and get to know different cultures. And I currently live in Mexico, but I'm from the oh, US. So cool. Cool. Yeah. So and remote work has allowed you to travel right to different countries, mm -hmm. prioritize your house and build relationships with different people from different parts of the world. So yep. how, how do you think remote work is changing the way we work in the life? And just work and leave uh, so what what are some of the maybe most significant advantages and maybe some disadvantages of remote work you can tell us yeah well i think it's important that we classify like what remote work is and i think remote work at its best is questioning how it's done not where it's done and remote work is just work at, at its core right it's it looks different than being in an office, but at the end of the day, if we're, if we're providing definitions for what remote work is, it's just work. And the question isn't where it's being done, which I think is where a lot of people get focused on. And they're like, they, they overemphasize like this concept of where, and they get really fixated on like, oh, well, 
I can't hire here, I can't hire there, or that person's over there, they need to work here. And really all that is nonsense when it comes down to the operating system of remote work, which is the how. And I think the beauty of remote work when it's really done well is the autonomy and is the actual flexibility to like schedule your day how you want. It's like, hey, I have these responsibilities and these outputs that I'm responsible for. It doesn't matter if I get them done at 8 a.m. or 8 p.m., but as long as I get that thing done and I push the ball forward and then there's an understanding across the team that that's what we're all doing, then that's, I think, remote work at its core. Where it, where it falls short, where it's, it's, it's tough, is that that takes a whole different level of skill to be able to communicate asynchronously, to be able to communicate with all the information needed, and to really consider the how. That also takes a big mindset shift. So you see all these companies that did the remote thing during the pandemic and they just forced everybody remote. They took the office and they tried to make it virtual. And like that didn't really work for a lot of people because they're just on Zoom meetings all day. And they don't realize, like, oh, we actually need some time for like deep work. We need some time to like push these projects forward. But if we're just on calls all day, then that doesn't really get done. Yeah, and as a, as a remote job coach, right? So you help job job seekers uh, learn an effective strategy to land uh, you know, remote job opportunities, mm-hmm. right? So can you share with us some some maybe common pitfalls or maybe challenges that job seekers face in the current in the current remote job market, right? And how to yeah. maybe you can talk a little a little a little bit more about how to overcome them. Yeah, job seekers just don't know what they're doing. Uh, in the the simple in the the simple way i look at it is most people i come across a job search for them consists of going onto job boards and applying to jobs because we're not really ever taught like the skill of job seeking and a lot of the associated things that come with that personal branding networking articulating your value um, targeting specific types of companies all those things go out the window for this like scarcity feeling of desperation where it's like, I need a job. So I'm going to go out there and blast my resume to a bunch of these, these companies. But the reality is there's no correlation between how many applications and resumes you send and how many interviews you're going to get, or, you know, get it, how many jobs offers you're going to get. So my thought is, Hey, how do we pump the brakes for a second and we think about a few different things. One, we think about the strategy. Two, we think about the branding. And three, we think about the networking component. So let's think about those three things. So the first thing I recommend to job seekers when they come to me typically is stop applying for jobs. Like take a moment to just stop applying and like give yourself the mental space and capacity to consider how to strategically go about this. And if you're looking for a remote job, one of the things that another pe- a lot of people overlook is that remote is not remote across the board. There's no standardization from company A and company Z who say that they do remote and then this company says they do remote, but then you go and look at the job description and it's like, oh, but you need to be in the office twice a week. It's like, oh, then remote for them is actually hybrid and remote for them is actually I have to live in this state or this country. So if you have a specific set of challenges, let's say that you live outside of the US, you were born outside of the US, which is a thing that I hear all the time. Well, then don't spend time on companies that can't hire you. But, but if you're just going to job boards and searching the term remote, then you're going to come across a lot of companies who can't actually hire you or don't have the systems in place, the policy in place, the, the companies that they need to work with in place to have those headquarters, you know, the employers of record, whatever it is that they need to hire. They don't have those things in place. And you're not going to be supported anyway. 
So find a company that already believes in remote work. Find a company that already believes in distributed uh, uh, talent and go after those companies in a very specific industry for a very specific skill set that you have. And the more targeted, more narrow you get with that, the better that you can be to go deeper into your application process through a strategy of networking and personal branding rather than just applying without knowing anybody uh, with your resume. Okay, fair enough. And what advice would you give to founders, basically, of tech companies who are considering spending their business globally and uh, building a remote team? What, what should they do? do? Do you have any kind of checklist that might help them? I think the, I mean, the first thing is get really clear on what your policy is about remote and what remote means to your organization and how much you can support people remotely, right? Like what's the training that's included? What are the different norms that you're setting? Like I've gone through this process within my own company and I've seen a lot of companies that I've worked in go through this process. And it's like night and day difference when a company really understands what remote work means to them. And they tell everybody in the onboarding process here is what remote work means to us. Here are the things that we care about. And as a company, if you're unclear with what the norms are within communication in the remote environment, like, hey, like I expect, we expect that here's how we're going to discuss goals and metrics and output. Here's how it is that we're going to keep track of these things. Here's the task management system we're going to use to put, to bring it all together. Here's the, the updates and reports on Slack that we expect. And, and like being patient, but also being able to uphold the norms that you create and like have an actual definition of that remote work and what it means. Like the best companies that do this, like the doest like the company like Doist or GitLab or uh, Buffer, like these companies put their manuals online for, for companies to see. So like all this is like being open sourced right now too, so that if you really, really want to adopt something like this, it's out there for you to figure out. But the first thing that has to come is like clarity within your own mind of like what kind of uh, remote culture do we want to create and what what is it that we want to give to people. And it's become a huge retention strategy for a lot of companies is like how can we create a more flexible workplace. People want remote work because it gives them flexibility. They don't want remote work just so that they're tied to their computer anyway. So I think really understanding that as an organization is uh, a really big key. And it's something that I've had to like really implement in my own and, and, you know, be really considerate of with, with my team as well. And, and what, what would you say are the top maybe criteria uh, that companies should look for when hiring remotely. So, you, 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 as someone who has helped many yeah. people find remote jobs, I guess you, you, you. I've you seen have both sides. Couple yeah. thoughts about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've hired myself. I have worked with companies on hiring, and then I've worked with the job seekers. So I've seen every single side of it. And I will know. I know within the first couple weeks of working with a job seeker, if they're going to get a job or not and like how long it's probably going to take them. Like I can, I can almost guess that at this point. And I've interviewed a lot of remote CEOs and executives, probably in the hundreds of interview of actually interviewing them and asking them these, this, this question. And the number one is proactivity. Like, companies just want someone who can come in and they don't need someone to completely hold their hand. Like I get, yeah, there's got to be some sort of training or some sort of onboarding, some sort of process to get the person 
settled in to what the company is. But the more that you can take your own direction and show that you're internally motivated to be good at your job rather than you need external motivation or someone to tell you what to do, um, then the, the better it is that you're going to be. Um, and along with that is written communication. So if you can, if you can document and you can, and you can write really well in a way that gives people exactly what they need to push a project forward, um, that is, that is always in that conversation too. So proactivity and written communication documentation have been the two things that really stand out. In, in, in your book, uh, you mentioned that companies that hire globally are better, better positioned to succeed in the long run, right? Can you explain why this is the case? Yeah, I mean, there's a cost structure to that, right? So like talent, uh, not only within not having an office, like there's huge expenses within having an office. So like wiping that completely clean from your uh, expense sheet and then also the ability to hire really top talent at a lower rate and finding people that are, you know, equally as good in, in one country that in the U S might be, you know, astronomical to hire. And, and the, that's, that's the reality of like economics is that at some point it just doesn't make sense to hire in the U S and, and in some of these other countries like you know, Canada, for instance, or in some European countries, even it's like, the, the wages have become so big, especially for smaller businesses, that um, the ones that are completely distributed and are hiring everywhere, they're going to be having that big cost advantage. In addition, they're going to have like diversity of thought and diversity of lived experience and diversity of culture, which becomes a very beautiful thing um, across teams, right? It's like if you have people that have had so many different experiences across these teams, the, the brainstorming and the thought that can come with that is not homogenous, right? It can be just totally different. So I think that that's a huge advantage too. And you mentioned that you uh, you hired like uh, almost 25 people across different countries, right? For yeah. your, specifically for your company, right? So and w which countries are the best for remote hiring from your perspective? Depends on the role. Um, Let's really take tech roles, like engineering, engineering roles. Um, yeah, I mean, I've actually seen some pretty big growth in Latin America with engineering, mm -hmm. um, especially in places like Mexico, Colombia, um, Chile, like there's been just this big growth of engineers in those areas. I thought that was really interesting also mm -hmm. because a lot of companies in the U S that I've worked with and talked to are looking for people in that time zone too. Mm -hmm. So like it meets the time zone requirements. And then there's also just like some great talent out there that, and people that also speak, you know, they're bilingual usually, and, or at least maybe even trilingual. And, and that becomes a really attractive option for mm -hmm. um, some mm -hmm. of these companies as well. And then on more of like, I think if you're looking for like an EA or a, uh, an executive assistant or a virtual assistant, like mm -hmm. Philippines is really great for that and has, has been lo a long time uh, established as really great. And then there's a, like, a lot of really great talent also in the Middle East and in like Pakistan, uh, like for, for what it's worth, I've found quite a few really awesome uh, folks that I've hired that are in Pakistan. And yeah, it's, it's, it's been kind of all over the map and I, I would hate to completely generalize with anything because there's great talent I mm -hmm. think everywhere. It's just a matter mm -hmm. of opportunity and 
um, yeah. you know, searching that, searching that out and knowing, knowing what you need. Mm -hmm. And from your experience, have you ever faced any issues in terms of compliance, local employment laws, you know, uh, local payroll rules or anything like that, that was a sort of maybe blocker for you to hire someone from that specific country? Not necessarily, because I, I, I think most of the work, the people that I've hired have been con contract basis through Upwork. And that's been a really consistent way for me to be able to hire. But I've also not hired anybody in those positions full time. Uh, so, so I imagine if I were to go that route and take it off Upwork, I wouldn't know uh, <laughs> how to do that without being, you know, without being um, in some compliance trouble. So uh, there are obviously a lot of solutions, including what you guys are doing that 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 helps to do that. So I think that that's. This is like the hot. It's the hottest market to be in right now, right? Is is uh, That's getting true. people hired? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Cool. Uh, so you worked for different remote companies, including this uh, global fortune uh, tech companies and fully distributed companies. So, mm -hmm. what what are maybe some key lessons you have learned about building and leading distributed teams, and how do you ensure that? everyone is i don't know sort of aligned in on the same page uh which was yeah. your values you know being in, in different location different continents different yeah. countries yeah and just to provide context on that i've worked for a company that was four hundred thousand people as pretty much you know like a sales rep i've worked also in in sales at a company that was around 250 people that was fully distributed I've worked with uh, a small, really small PR company that was uh, hybrid remote for a while. And then, um, you know, kind of like work from home. I've worked for my own businesses. I've worked as a contractor in two or three other businesses as well. So like I've had a lot of experience in the different ways in which teams operate remotely. And I would go back to what I was saying earlier around the how being the most important thing that companies need to ask themselves and where I think it goes wrong and where it's actually just very difficult to, it's just hard to, it's hard to establish like, how do we work for, for a lot of different companies? That's just like, it's a difficult question and it's difficult when you don't have the norms in place. It's difficult when you don't have the policies and you don't have the culture that thinks about remotely and it starts from the top down, right? So like the company that I was at that has 400,000 people, the way in which they work remotely was very different from the remote of the 250 people that was fully distributed, right? That the mindset and the, the how things got done, even from just the small day-to-day -day communication and expectations was very different. So I think, uh, I think the lessons are, still the lesson still goes back to define how remote works not where remote works yeah it makes sense makes sense and probably my, my last question what do you think the the future of work you know will, will look like and how can companies uh, and employees prepare for it i think globalization is uh imminent you know just like the hiring for the hiring everywhere the, the the tools and the the technology that's allowing companies to really hire anywhere and with that comes new communication protocols 
and comes asynchronous work being the default. So I think we're gonna we're gonna shift into a place where uh, people are, are just not gonna be expected to just always be at their computer. You know, you're gonna get your stuff done and you can go do whatever else you need to do, and that's totally fine and it's acceptable and it's default, right? And that this distributed nature of things becomes the norm when companies are starting rather than office centric. Uh, like there's just no reason to, if you were to start a business right now that could be fully remote, uh, I just don't see any reason why you would have an office. Um, it just doesn't really make sense financially. And then also from a validation standpoint, it's like you don't need an office to start something. So I could see like having a satellite office or something if you want people to gather for certain things, but to not consider the remote environment up front. I don't think that's possible for companies anymore. I think they have to really consider what their stance is on remote, like from day one, whereas that was probably overlooked. And I also think there's going to be a lot more solopreneurs than ever. I think in the next five, 10 years, all with all the tech stuff, like tech bubble and the, the layoffs and like everything happening there with the economy. I think a lot of people are just going to take their skills and just be freelancers and just be like, Hey, I'm just going to monetize this skill. I'm going to work a project project basis and I'm going to work from wherever I want to work from. And, you're not going to tell me shit. <laughs> yeah, it totally makes sense. Okay, I guess I guess we're good. So uh, thanks a lot, Jordan, for sharing your insights on remote work and on international hiring. Uh, we wish you and Remote Job Club all the best in your journey. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Fit. Appreciate it.